Hello, I'm Caitlin, and I hope to inspire the next generation of girl bosses to never again use the word girl boss. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, and I'm Zach, and uh, as a cis white male, I am going to put my foot in my mouth at least three times in this episode. So <laughs> I'm, ready. I'm ready. We're looking forward to it. And welcome to Manipulating the Masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you, the people, have the power. I have a ton of notes, so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, today, Zach, we're going to be looking at the rise and the fall of the hashtag girlboss. So, Zach, we're talking about the rise and the fall of the hashtag girlboss. Tell me what you know about a girl boss. Uh, I, you know, the hashtag, I've seen it. It's got like the glittery really like, you know, posts and everything. And I do think it's, I, you know, I don't know a lot of affiliations behind it. I'm going to be honest with you, Caitlin, I'm pretty green. So I'm cool. here to listen. I'm here to, as a cis white male should do, I am here to listen about girl boss. Yep. <laughs> That's what we train people to do here at MMP. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I was actually just more interested to hear what your association is with the word. And it was really spot on that you said, uh, it's glitter. <laughs> that was the first visual that popped in your head. Yeah, it's like those tumbler mugs oh, that like so with like the yeah, with like the glitter and the hashtag yes. girl boss. That yes. is what popped into my head. Absolutely. You are really just gonna be a huge support in my argument here. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, we're off to a good start. So let me give you a little history lesson. When did the girl boss come on the scene? And when I talk about the girl boss, I'm kind of talking about this overall generation. So it was officially coined in 2014 by a uh, entrepreneur of the name Sophia Amoruso. Does that name okay. ring any bells to you? No, absolutely cool. not. Yeah. All right, great. Um, but okay, so even though the uh, term was coined in 2014, I think it's important to start actually a few years earlier than that in 2010, and kind of give you a little history lesson of like where we were in America. So mm. in 2010, we were just starting to bounce back from the Great Recession, mm. right? Millennials were entering and starting to really come up in the workforce. Social media and Instagram were blowing up. Mm. Um, this was really the coming of age of the millennial. So we have the oldest millennial at 29 and the youngest was 14 in 2010. Oh yeah. 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 I was like in the middle. You were about in the middle there. I was too, just going right? to ask, I was going to yeah. ask. So millennials were really characterized as ambitious as like the ambitious generation. I think we were the first generation to grow up with all of this technology at our fingertips. Um, do you remember where you were in 2010? Yeah, I was actually just trying to think back when you said 2010. Um, I was a sophomore in college. Yeah. So I was just starting out, you know, just kind of getting my bearings. And do you think you'd categorize yourself as like the ambitious millennial, like you wanted to take on the world? Yeah, uh, I think so, but I didn't know how. Um, yeah. And I think I fed into, I also, when you said ambitious, I agree, but I also remember that time we were also associated with being very narcissistic because oh, we had all nice. of this, all of this, uh, we could personalize our Facebook page. We could personalize, you know, everything was personalized to us. So we got associated with narcissism too. So I think it was both, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And I think I leaned more into the narcissistic than, than the ambitious. Totally. Me too. I mean, I am totally a typical millennial, whether I like it or not, like I'm narcissistic. I've been told that I can take on the world. I can have the world. I can do whatever I want in this life. Yeah, totally. And, and that's what I, and I thought I was really unique too. That was kind of the mm -hmm. detriment of the millennial. Like we all thought we were unique, but mm -hmm. we were the exact same. So 
in a larger picture, we're starting to see women really starting to secure C-suite, high-level jobs. And there's more and more women in the corporate spotlight, not just securing these jobs behind the scenes, but they're really becoming the face of companies and people are gladly putting them out there. Enter Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, Sandberg, as we know, is the COO of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And in 2013, she writes a book called Lean In. Yes, I remember. I remember. Did you read it? No, No, but I I remember it was being promoted everywhere. In all the bookstores that I'd go to, it was like front and center. And this was really about like pulling up your bootstraps and just saying yes to all the opportunities. So, and it was really um, catered to women and saying, hey, you can take advantage of everything that a man takes advantage of. And it's really up to you to just say yes to all of these opportunities. Um, This in itself is very problematic because Sheryl Sandberg came from Harvard. And she was raised in and kind of an upper middle class. So she already had a ton of opportunities um, because of generational wealth. So you're saying she she didn't really recognize her own privilege. Exactly. And I don't, and, and this is really characteristic of like 2020 and 2021, the white woman is really starting to kind of come down for, Um, or kind of get taken down for like, hey, you have a ton of white privilege that black women don't have. We sit at this intersection of oppression because we're women, but also privilege because we're white. Mm. And so white women are actually like the worst of the worst, right? (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I can't can't back you up on that. White men had thousands of years, women had a decade. A hundred percent, for sure. Well, let me get into this and let me kind of support my facts here. So Sheryl Sandberg, like she's really this um, ambitious woman and she's really a thought leader in women owning jobs in corporate. And in 2014, this is when we first start to see girl boss come on the scene. So 2013, Sheryl Sandberg happened. In 2014, Sophia Amoruso happened. Mm. In 2014, Sophia Amoruso titled her business memoir, Hashtag Girl Boss. Her book became a bestseller and later a TV series on Netflix. It's not looking like it's ringing any bells, so I can, I'm assuming you did not see this. There's a show, <laughs> Hashtag Girl Boss? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's what it was titled, to be honest, but it was based off of Sophia's life. Okay. I have seen the bold type. Does that count? That's like a, have you seen that one? Oh, that's the bold like, type. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to refrain from telling our audience that I do love that show. I kind of love it too. I kind of love, low hate, low hate. So back to the Netflix, it actually got a sour response from viewers saying mm. it was a call to the millennial narcissist. So you you called it out right away. I mean, we didn't we didn't even have to like launch this podcast for you to be like, yes, millennials are all narcissists. Well, Sophia Amoruso just kind of like drilled in this point. Recap on Sophia. So here's some data for you. I know you're a yeah. data guy, so you'll love, love these. It. Sophia started an eBay vintage store. So it all started with eBay and she turned it into a multi-million dollar fashion brand that is known as Nasty Gal. Okay. Do you know Nasty Gal? No. Absolutely okay. Not. Revenue in 2008, so bringing it back to the recession, she was bringing in $223,000. Okay. And then in 2011, so just what is that, three years later, $23 million. Ooh. In three okay. years. Like, that's not only an, an impressive number, but to do it in such a short amount of time. Yeah. At the peak of Nasty Gal, it was pulling in $100 million in annual sales. Oh. So are you familiar with the brand? Did you know the brand prior to this? I did. I did. I don't know how I found it, but I know um, I was definitely in college when I discovered Nasty Gal. And because it was like more vintage and like one of a kind pieces, it was really... Um, 
sought after. But fast forward, it is now owned by a fast fashion company, and we'll get into that. So the pieces are not one of a kind. They're terrible, terrible quality. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's awful. So I'll get into that. Yeah, well, my question was like, why the, what was the allure of it? Why did it blow up so fast? Was it because it was vintage, one of the kind? Like that was really the pull. And it really had like, Sophia herself was the brand. Like she was chic. She was California cool. Um, and, and, And she was, I mean, God, do I even call her the first influencer of my time? Like, I swear this was before influencers really took off. And here she was putting herself on eBay and selling these one-of-a-kind pieces that she would find. In, and this was before thrifting was cool. So she really, yeah. like, owned this. Yeah. And now that you explain it, I par- I remember, like, seeing previews of, like... Of the Netflix the- show? Yeah, of like someone buying eBay clothes or like shopping vintage stores and selling them and then making a business out of it. That was yes. what okay, okay, I'm yep. with you now. Okay. Yep. It's it was lodged in the back of my brain, just hidden. I put I repressed it down. Yep, yep, and then mm-hmm. pulled it out. Love it. Okay. Okay. So what is interesting is nasty gal was borrowed from a 1975 Betty Davis album. Do you know who Betty Davis is? Oh yeah, I know Betty Davis. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. My ignorance is gonna show. I didn't know who Betty Davis was. I wasn't familiar with her music. <laughs> I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. So if our listeners are like myself, Betty Davis is a black woman, soul, funk, jazz singer. What I found interesting and something that no article touched on, at least that I read, was, you know, Betty Davis was this black woman. um, Mm -hmm. And here we see a white woman borrow her album title, Nasty Gal, and build a multi-million dollar company off of it. So this, again, is kind of like how white women get to sit on the back of privilege. Yeah, interesting. And what's really interesting is, well, Black women are really at the forefront of, like, all activism. Like, Black Lives Matter started with Black women. The Me Too movement started with Black women. And here we see Sophia Amoruso borrowing this title and building her empire off of it. When I think Betty Davis did never really made, like, you obviously know her, you're a big fan of music, but... I, w- I wouldn't say she made like a global name for herself. Oh, Would you like? No, no. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we see Sophia Amoruso profiting off of a black woman. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll come back to this too. Uh, back to Sophia. So some more stats for you. So right, her her at the peak of Nasty Gal, it was raking in a hundred million dollars. The New York Times called her the Cinderella of tech, which I didn't understand at all. I know. Um, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But I think maybe there's that eBay factor in it where it's like, was she the first kind of to really, I don't know, shine a light that you can buy and sell (laughs) a a fashion company? Yeah, was e-commerce so new that they were like, what is this? Yeah. I can't even, I mean, maybe thinking back to college, I don't remember ordering things on Amazon too often. Do you? Like, I don't know. So true. I don't even remember Amazon. I think Amazon was a bookstore when we were in college. I and think that so was too. it. Yeah. So maybe e-commerce was just so fresh and she was, I mean, if there she was using go. eBay, like eBay was the original yeah. like option e-commerce and if she's totally. using that platform, yeah, then maybe, okay, I can see that. Like she's innovating this tech in fashion. She's incorporating e-commerce, really. E-commerce. You know? Mm, okay. That'd be something really okay. interesting to follow up this show with is when did e-commerce start um, or really take yeah. off and yeah, what was really. popular in the fashion world. So um, in 2013, Inc. Magazine named her to its 30 under 30 list and also deemed Nasty Gal as the fastest growing company. Also in 2013, Business Insider named her one of the sexiest CEOs alive. Why is Business Insider running that? Who cares? <laughs> isn't so that, true. Is, yeah, isn't that just like, that's ridiculous. Who cares how sexy a CEO is? Even though, you know, no, yeah. who cares? Who cares? I mean, 
now, but back in the day, and when I say back in the day, it's tw it's still 2013, right? It's like back then we didn't see women CEOs and for someone to step on the scene who is fashionable and good looking, isn't that interesting? They just they just gave her the title of sexiest CEOs. Not like, hey, you just built a multi-million dollar company. Congratulations. It's like, yeah. no, you're good looking. Yeah, that just seems so wrong that a woman, you know, runs this company and deems sexiest CEO. In 2016, she was named by Forbes the richest self-made woman. And that's what I think, that's kind of where my personal affinity to Sophia came into play was she was self-made mm -hmm. versus you see the Sheryl Sandberg who kind of had generational wealth and she got to yeah. go to Harvard. Um, I don't know what Sophia's education is. And like I said, this this is where it kind of starts to become very personal to me because I'm a junior in college. I'm ambitious and I want to take on the world. And Girlboss comes on the scene and it's becoming the template for female corporate supremacy and really taking back the corporate world from men. So we see this hashtag catapult into social media like it ran did not walk <laughs> and to follow hashtag girl boss we're seeing hashtag ceo oh that? wow no, <laughs> no. mompreneur oh geez boss okay. bitch boss okay. babe so okay. all of these different renditions uh, started to become really celebrated and yeah. women were starting to own kind of taking back this word bitch and taking back this word bossy. Yeah, I see that. Can I just say, and then this is where I'm probably the first time I'm going to put my foot in my mouth, <laughs> is my issue with those mompreneurs or CEOs is entrepreneur and CEO are androgynous terms. 100%. Right, they're already androgynous terms. Why? Why do you gotta? I oh, understand 100%. the reasoning, but like, just own it, right? Like, yeah. an entrepreneur can be anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. And I think at the start of it, I think it was a little bit empowering yes. because to identify yourself as a woman and say, I'm the CEO. But nowadays, and this is where everyone kind of has a problem with it now. It's like, there's no need to have a gender qualifier in front of CEO. And I learned this word while doing my research, research infantilizing, okay. it infantilizes CEO. It just means like, um, well, think infant. Okay. And so you're saying girl boss. So you're just kind of de discrediting mm, a woman in power. And you're okay. saying, oh, that's a cute role. Like you're a girl boss, go girl. Oh yes. So we're seeing these hashtags just take off into the world of social media. And then we start to see the era of the personal brand. Are you familiar with this? Like yes. if, yeah, I mean, every woman, and I don't know, I'm interested to hear like, did you feel as a man that you needed to build a personal brand for yourself? Mm, no, not particularly. Okay. So I think there's, I mean, when I, I did some basic, basic Googling and building a personal brand is all about like establishing your aesthetic and mm -hmm. how you want to, it's building a brand, but you're doing it for yourself. Entered the narcissism in all of this. And let me ask you, so everybody started building their own personal brand and you hit on this earlier, but if I asked you to paint a picture of a girl boss, what visuals come to mind for you? That's a great question. I, I said the tumbler with glitter in it. Um, the, <laughs> the plastic. The tumbler is such a home run. Yeah. With uh, the, I think, you know, um, Fast fashion, I think you hit on that, like fashionable clothing, but really yes. basic, like no, yes. I, it's not really unique. It's just kind of like basic colors. And then what comes to mind is not so much a visual, but the clicking of the heels, like the intense walk. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? When yes. someone's like, click, 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 click. It's intimidating. Um, so I hear that. Let me, yeah. let me also kind of build out your, your picture here. So we're thinking, we're talking endless motivational quotes. You see cursive, yes, um, cursive. light 
eggshell pink aesthetic the yeah. live laugh love culture i was just gonna say that live laugh love yeah like they have that hanging up everywhere in their apartment they call their plants babies that yep. kind of aesthetic yep it, you can the motivation behind this was you can do it all like the rise and grind culture run a business do yoga have a great skincare routine and then drink smoothies after work um you know you have and it really elaborates on wellness but mm. you look good doing it so um that was the key you got to look good doing it and that's the personal brand in all of this gotcha. um the girl boss really celebrated this hustle culture and iced coffees also like kind of quasi religious like can you yeah. can you paint a picture of like matthews fourteen sixteen in their bio yes. or something yes and i think the aesthetic is exactly the same when you see like bible quotes somewhere and the yes. girl boss font i think yeah. it's like the same yeah font. Right? Yeah, I love yeah. how you labeled it the girl boss font. <laughs> it, it, yes, it, I, I think everybody knows. The listeners will know. They've seen it. Yeah. They, everybody yeah. knows what that font is. Yeah. So me personally, as a woman, as like a very run-of-the-mill millennial, in 2015, 2016, this was really when I started to disconnect from this movement um, when the personal brands started to come on the scene because what like started off as kind of an empowering movement for myself, mm -hmm. although, well, as I learned now in 2020, like I'm ashamed of kind of piggybacking onto this movement, <laughs> although it was like, I can say like my first introduction to feminism really. And so I really do credit it for introducing it to me, um, but I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I really disconnect from it. Well, I was ashamed of a lot of things in college too. So mine were a little <laughs> more, yeah, mine, mine are a little more R-rated. If that's what you're ashamed of, I think you made it. Yeah, I mean, that's surface level shame. That's yeah. surface level shame. I got a lot deeper. Like, we can yeah. go down. Fair enough. Fair enough. But when all of these, like, the pink aesthetic, the glitter, the tumbler started to come on the scene, that's like, I don't resonate with any of this. So, oh, brilliant quote that I found. Well, let me, sorry, let me go back. And again, I told you I had a lot of notes, so I'm kind of. I love it. Here. No, that's okay. But. <laughs> All of a sudden, we see feminism, and right, that's what I kind of, that's what I was saying. It was, that was my introduction into feminism. And now all of a sudden in 2015, 2016, we're seeing feminism be used as a marketing strategy. And feminism is a movement. You're in it for the greater population, but the girl boss is in it for herself. And she's building her brand around herself. So we're seeing feminism disguised as... Well, I'm sorry, we're seeing a marketing ploy disguised as yeah. feminism. Oh, that's interesting. So interesting. And this is really brilliant. Jessa Crispin writes in her 2017 manifesto, why I'm not a feminist. She says, when you make feminism so accessible and palatable, it can be universally adopted. You put the focus on labels and identity rather than on the philosophical and political content of the movement. And what becomes most important are the things on the surface, things like Chanel products, velvet mm. chairs, and pretty websites. Yeah. Well, the last one, maybe, you know, uh, <laughs> that's what we do. Um, that's what we do. Yes. Um, but we, we build brands. We build brands. And uh, that's kind of what Girlboss was, was yeah. a brand. You know, and I find that so fascinating because we talk about this with our clients all the time, that if you try to appeal to everyone, you're going to appeal to no one. Right. So like true. that. And I think that's exactly what she's writing yes. about in her manifesto, that feminism yes. was a political movement. But now they're trying to appeal to everyone. And, you know, you can't. Totally. And and I think where the girl boss went wrong, too, was like this toxic positivity of like trying to 
wrangle in other women into this movement and you're saying go girl like yes your picture looks so great and you're commenting on all of these with a secret agenda that you want in you want those likes you want those comments in return so visibility yeah it's all about the girl boss it's all about the girl boss not everybody can be a boss right if a whole company was made of bosses nothing would get done right like (laughs) so true that's right (laughs) So now we fast forward to last year, March 25th, 2020, we see, well, George, this is the day George Floyd dies Mm. and there is an eruption of calls for social justice. Mm -hmm. And these women who were girl bosses, which stemmed from feminism or at the very least feminist adjacent Mm -hmm. were silent. These were people who coined themselves influencers and leaders of a movement. And the Black Lives Matter movement came on board, which really their movement falls under feminism as well. Like feminism is for the greater good, like racial equity. Gender equity, racial equity. 100%. And so these girl bosses were just like silent. And they didn't have a response for this. Why, right? We see, we see a lot of people saying white women tears because then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I just had needed a couple days to really process what's happening in the nation. Like, did you see any Instagram posts that, that were like that? Like, I just needed a couple days to process this. Oh, definitely. Black people were like, uh, you don't get time. I'm sorry. Like, time's <laughs> up. Like, what? Time's up we on deal- Girlboss. Time's yeah. up on Girlboss. Uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, it ties back to your point, because what I did see, what I remember from the George Floyd protests, uh, the string of posts on Instagram that were just like the black yep, box. black box. Right. But it, it, it's ties to your point that, yeah, they, they post that, but it's really self-serving still. Right. Like they're doing that for their own likes. Right. They're doing that to uh, signal that they're an ILI. But did they go to the protest? And moreover, are they pushing their local police department to make reforms? Right. Are they really uh, they're not following the movement. They're doing it in a self-serving way. So I think it, it ties to your point. Fascinating. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, Performative activism is Mm. kind of like a term that was coined or that at least I heard of for the first time to 2019-2020. So very self-serving, of course. Yeah, performative activism. I like that. I mean, I don't like it. I like the phrasing. The phrase. Let's go performative activism. mm -hmm. The original girl boss. uh, Oh, this was a quote I read in the Atlantic and I will cite my sources because these people did their research. They are way smarter than me. So I'm just, I want to kind of regurgitate what they said. Um, And this was Amanda Mull. Um, She wrote in the Atlantic, the title of the piece was called The Girl Boss Has Left the Building. American (laughs) Workplaces Are Facing a Reckoning, So What Comes Next? So George Floyd, um, she writes, the original girl boss was too cool for politics. The white girl boss, and so many of them were white, sat at the unique intersection of oppression and privilege. She saw gender inequity everywhere she looked, and this gave her something to wage war against. Racial Mm. inequity was never really on her radar. That was someone else's problem to solve. She goes on to say, now that racism is on her radar, the girl boss is on an apology tour, donating (laughs) to bail funds, sharing the mic. So why do I find myself bracing to find out how anti-racism becomes the branding for her next for-profit venture? Oh. Yeah, I really liked that. I really like that too. So buckle up. Okay. We're in for the next wave of anti-racism branding, the personal anti-racism brand. Man, it makes me hate society so much. Right. So I brought you up to 2020. Um, pretty much actually it, it filters into now. That's kind of where we see the social media world going, the direction. Um, the girl boss is kind of like being called out finally for this mm. 
this the self-interest and the performative yeah. um yeah. pieces the personal branding it's just you're yeah. so right it's all personal yep. branding right yeah so where are we now back to nasty gal our hero our, the hero of our story nasty gal filed for bankruptcy in november oh. of 2016. i'm sorry this oh. isn't even now this is 2016. bankruptcy um, bankruptcy uh, Sophia stepped down as CEO and employees have complained about her management style and lack of focus with workers rating Nasty Gal 2.7 out of 5 stars on employment site Glassdoor. Wow. According to a complaint obtained by Jezebel, the company had fired four pregnant women as well as a man about to take paternity leave in violation of California law. Ooh. There oh. was uh, lawsuits, and mm -hmm. I pulled a couple of quotes from Glassdoor. Okay. Yes. Hit me. You drink the Kool-Aid for the first few months working here. Then you start to realize it's all just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. The CEO is wildly disconnected from the reality of the business. Her story makes an interesting topic on Good Morning America. Oh, that's cold. That was cold. cold. That right? was cold. Yeah. Okay. Right. And not even like a hard hitting news site like Good Morning America. Oh. It's just a good story on Good Morning G of it with Matt Lauer. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not even like a Vogue story. You're on Good Morning. You're on the Daily News. Yeah. Oh, there is a complete lack of teamwork and willingness to help each other out and work towards a common goal. But there really is no common goal at all. Mm. Great perks, awful management. This place is rough. Favoritism wins every time. There's no such thing as growing unless you're friends with the CEO. Nasty gal, nasty boss, nasty business. Oh, we should hire yeah. that last one as a copywriter. That was yeah, a good one. That was punchy. Right? Come over to MP if you recently yeah. wrote a glass door. Yeah, if that was you, Review. send us your application. We have some we have some ads we'd like you to read. We have some openings. Yeah, yeah. That, that was punchy. I like that one. Um, so really we're seeing Sophia be horrible. And here she was promoting women at the top of the food chain to really make a difference, but she was no different than any man CEO. Yeah, yeah. And I think my question to you is because you've been doing all this research. I mean, was it was she still just focused on her personal brand? Is that what you yeah. really credit the downfall to? She started it to promote herself and she never really left that mentality. So right at the peak, she released her her memoir, hashtag girl boss. Mm -hmm. And I have heard um, I listened to a podcast, which again, I would recommend and I will cite my sources, but these two women actually worked at Nasty Gal. So super hot insight. Ooh. They said on the podcast that their funds, 90% of their income went to marketing Sophia Amoruso's book. Whoa. Of the, 90 wait, wait. Percent of the, of the budget. Of the, of the marketing budget or the, all the revenue? The, of the entire company's revenue. Whoa. The budget. No so wonder they filed that? for bankruptcy. Our kind of cap for employees would be 25% of our budget. And then yeah. software is 16%. So if 90% is being spent on marketing, that leaves 10% of their overhead for employees. Did they ever have like a brick and mortar store? Or was it always online? Yeah, really interesting. So I knew it as an online store, but I think they did branch out into brick and mortar. Um, there is some more details that I came up with. So analysts said that Nasty Gal's rapid growth was fueled by heavy spending in advertising and marketing. It's a strategy that many startups use, mm -hmm. right? They get funded and they're like, cool, let's build this awesome space with kegs mm -hmm. and ping pong tables. And mm -hmm. then we'll also spend all this money on marketing. So this, mm -hmm. this isn't surprising, but one that only pays off 
in the long run if one-time buyers become loyal customers. So they had this leaky bucket situation. They were funneling a ton of incoming customers, but the product at this point was not the same quality, right? She was expanding to this multi-million dollar company. She can't single-handedly shop vintage stores for all of these people. <laughs> it wasn't a vintage store anymore. It was yeah. unique, one of a unique pieces on yeah. a mass scale. Yeah. With an asterisk, right? With like an asterisk. Unique, yeah. Okay. Also, I mentioned kind of like the startup environment. Nasty Gal quintupled the size of its headquarters by moving into a 50,300 square foot location in downtown Los Angeles. Wow. It's just stupid. Just stupid yeah. shit. And there's not a lot of space in Los Angeles for like right. That. I was like thinking the same thing. Los Angeles, there's not a lot of space for that. That's got to be just a ridiculous fee. <laughs> My goodness. I thought the same thing. Like, where did they pop up shop at the airport? Like, that's the only <laughs> place. Like on the tarmac. <laughs> LAX just chilling. <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh my goodness. The company also opened a 500,000 square foot fulfillment center in Kentucky. So if they have a 500,000 square foot fulfillment center, it's obviously the quality is going downhill and they're mass yeah. producing and they're becoming a fast fashion company even before they got bought out by a fast fashion company. So, um, was so, and Sophia was the CEO head honcho girl, hashtag girl boss the entire time. Nobody, when they got funding, nobody else came in to partner with her. She was just the hashtag okay. girl boss the entire time. She was CEO. However, I have heard, well, first of all, she stepped down, um, not just when they filed bankruptcy, but a little bit before that. Um, so she was being pushed out. And really, as she became her own celebrity, she wasn't even interested in running a business anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think she ever got into this to be a business. She got into it for her own personal brand and her personal celebrity. And 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 unfortunately, she she used... And actually, I want to stop myself because in Sophia's defense, she never really has ever come out and said, I'm a feminist. Mm. It mm -hmm. has been implied and people have kind of put words in her mouth and she hasn't stopped anybody from doing it. Mm -hmm. And so while I say that the girl boss movement really started on the back of feminism, it's like mm -hmm. she never intended for all of this to happen. It was just really a perfect storm of millennials women millennials not really having any women to look up to. And she comes on the scene as the sexiest CEO in 2016. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. I want to be Sophia. I think, I think that's a fair point. Um, but also I think you need to listen to, I mean, it, it, her, her customer base was feminine, you know, females, yes. right? Millennial yes. females. Yes. I don't even think they had men. Yeah, and if, if that's important to your customer base, if feminism and the feminist movement is important to your customer base, right. a good CEO listens to that and takes right. that on and stands up for that, right? right. Um, so She was it, never equipped to be CEO. And she's admitted that too. Like, you know, see, I, I'm not trained in CEO language. I, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to be a CEO. And I just found myself in this place. But... Mm -hmm to come down on her a little bit, it's like, she didn't do anything about it. She didn't hire someone more qualified. She created a toxic workplace for everybody and made the company fund her book tour and the Ooh. marketing. And it's like, she was never in it for anybody else. So it's kind of like, yeah, let's say she never really intended for all of this to take off, but she didn't do anything about it. And so that's kind of where she's at fault. Well, it's like prototypical LA people though, right? 100%. Not, to, not to talk bad on LA people. It's just, you know, there's a kernel of truth in that stereotype. There's just- <laughs> Totally, totally. Um, so I want to go into a couple other girl bosses. Let's see here. During the Sophia Amoruso come up we yeah. also seeing other women founded businesses um come up um emily weiss of glossier i don't are you familiar with glossier no i gotta verse okay. myself in these brands man no 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 you don't you don't there's no need <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what i'm here i'm here to take, take this on for you okay. on your okay. behalf i feel like um, there's a whole sect of the country that i'm completely unaware of you know like okay 
the Museum of Ice Cream, this fucking take took off. This was also owned by a woman. Reformation was another clothing company, multi-million dollar clothing company. Away Luggage. Mm. Does that mm-hmm. sound familiar? Yes, it does. Yes, it okay. does. Okay, Away Luggage was founded by a woman. The Verge reported toxic workplace culture at Away, a direct-to-consumer luggage brand founded by Stephanie Corey and Jen Rubio. In addition to requiring 16-hour days from the customer experience team members holding and holding holiday vacation days hostage, employees were not allowed to email each other, which created a what? culture of intimidation and constant surveillance. What? They're not allowed to email each other? I didn't even understand that. Like, that's correct. Like, I I don't even know how that would... Who would you email? Just customers, maybe? Well, if you're customer... Yeah, customer experience, you're probably emailing customers and you're probably... Yeah, I don't know if they do outreach sales. But what? So you could only talk (laughs) face-to-face? What? So that was a way... Then we see a work, uh, sorry, a women-only co-working space come on the scene called The Wing, um, mm-hmm. very similar to uh, work, what's it called? We work, we work. So it was called The, the Wing, uh, which was an incubator of girl bosses. So Audrey Gelman resigned from her role as CEO amid an uproar over low pay and poor treatment of the people, largely women of color, tasked with the day-to-day operation of the company's membership. The hourly employees who worked the front desk washed dishes and scrubbed toilets, described being treated like the help. And at the same time, we're scouted by management to model the joy of sisterhood t-shirts on the company website. So there we see marketing again, the joy of sisterhood, but we're going to treat everybody like absolute garbage. Yeah. Mickey Agrawal, and I believe I said that right, um, she started a company called Thinks. It's a type of underwear. Mm. She was the one, she is self-described as the CEO. Uh, she made herself as an alternative feminist icon and innovator lauded for her refreshing ability to break sexist taboos. Um, but thinks was rifled with bad labor practices. It was plagued by a similar pattern of low pay, shoddy benefits, a woeful maternity leave policy and a toxic work environment. Um, there has been loss, a sexual harassment lawsuits filed against Agrawal, um, citing touching of their breasts. Oh man. So really the lesson in all of this and this era of girl bosses is that simply putting a woman in a man's place at the top isn't doing anything for anyone. (laughs) What we're What we're seeing is these women are out here making the system work for them, but not addressing systemic racism and sexism, labor riots, and things that are really fundamental to feminism, which is fine. Make the system work for you, but don't disguise it and position yourself as this feminist icon. All you did was good marketing. Yeah, yeah. And you and I talk about it all the time. You know, marketing has a dark side. Um, And that's definitely the dark side. And I think the thing that sticks out to me is that power corrupts people on an equal level, right? I think it doesn't matter who it is when you have people, certain people that are ambitious and chase power and are given that power will abuse it. Um, Yes. Certain people, not everyone, right? But certain. No, totally. So I do want to end on some data tells all. Love it. Where are we now with women? So women in CEO roles. So, you know, this big girl boss movement, um, all these women kind of founding their own companies, stepping into the spotlight. As of 2020, the S&P top 500 companies, 7% women CEOs. Wow. So what did this movement really do wow. for us? We're not so sure. I mean, I knew it was going to be low, but like, geez, 7%. Yep. I also want to note, um, 
that women make up 50% of the workforce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit lower. But so in 1950, there were 18 million women in the labor force. In the year 2000, 66 million. <laughs> and in 2015, it increased to 73%. Wow. So that does really correspond with this whole girl boss movement. What do you think? I mean, what, I'm sorry, like as your experience, uh, you know, as a female, why, why do you credit that? Is it the patriarchy? Is it, uh, why do you credit that number being so low? I mean, I, I just, I think that it takes a while for something to be enacted. Mm. Um, and, and and racism is still ingrained in the system. And the problem is the system. Who is going to step up and burn this shit to the ground mm -hmm. is what it comes down to. And, mm -hmm. and we saw it with the females, um, the CEO, uh, I mean, obviously Sophia, and then you have the CEO of Away and Thinks and um, these other companies where they had to step down because of sexual harassment. So you're seeing the same thing and they're cut from the same cloth as male CEOs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um they're not they're just reinforcing the system but making it work for them and them alone I don't know what the fix is but the problem is the system and that's why we're not seeing you would think in 2021 with as much uproar as there's been about women at the top of companies especially we hear rumors that like VCs are more inclined to fund companies that have a woman in management because there's that balance. And it, there's also stats out there that women uh, that women led companies are more likely to succeed um, because of the balance. It's all about the balance. I also think, you know, it, it's changing company culture, corporate culture. It's changing corporate yep. culture because the, these initial girl boss, they succeeded because they fed into that same toxic leader role that, yes. that corporate yes. Amer American corporate culture rewards, right? And then once they got to the top, they didn't change anything. No. They were like, cool, well, I came up that way, so carry on, you can do it too. I do wanna end with kind of a, what do I wanna call this? I want to end with a fun, advertisement that came from the girl okay, boss era. No, I love that. Okay. Okay. Uh, this was an ad put out in UK by a company called people by the hour, which is basically a company where you hire freelancers. This was put out in 2019. The marketing slogan was uh, featured an image of a woman. She was a redhead and she was kind of laughing, like very mm. lifestyle. Um, and it was just kind of cropped at the shoulders. She was really mm. the forefocus. Like the women it. laughing at their salad. I see that everywhere. Like salads are yes, hilarious. That's totally salads it. Salads are hilarious. Okay, right. I'm with you. I'm really <laughs> So it featured this image of a woman and the text stated, you do the girl boss thing, we'll do the SEO thing. Oh, oh, oh. So obviously there was so much oh. backlash over oh. this. People filed lawsuits, some sort of advertising monitoring company <laughs> or like, like legislation. Yeah. Um, came down on them and cited them. A For, bunch so of money. what what was the exact? Do you know the exact law that they broke? Was it like harmful stereotyping? But I guess that's not really no, but a law. It, well, UK has different. This is in the UK. Um, they have different. Europe has completely yeah. different advertising laws than us. We are we are just like very, very loose. loose on what we can advertise. No no tobacco. That's basically it. No drinking alcohol. That's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so I think just harmful gender stereotyping is what I equate this to. So they kind of issued, I mean, nothing happened. That was the thing. And it was in 2019. And I, I mean, I think we've, we've, I find it ridiculous. I think I find it funny. It is insulting because people view 
Well, actually, I don't find insulting because I don't associate myself with a girl boss. But the girl boss movement was so much like, yeah, strong female empowerment. But everyone else from the outside saw it as like, oh, cute. Like we have a girl in power. That's really they cute. They infantilize so it. Yeah. So let me ask you one more question. I know you're rounding, we're rounding this out, but um, you are the CEO of our company. We made the, I made the not me. See, I put my foot in my mouth one time. We made the conscious decision <laughs> to uh, make you the CEO because I think that's important. I think having a female-run company is very important. So being running this company, um, where do you see you falling into that? And where do you see you breaking the mold of the corporate culture? I think I've done a lot of self-discovery over the past two years. And in 2020, I completely removed my personal Instagram from the internet because I wanted to focus more on the company um, instead of myself and instead of my personal brand. So not that I'm like, you know, the activist in CEO uh, women culture, um, but I didn't, I was so sick of myself. I had spent so many years being told that like I was the hero in my own story. And at some point last year, you know, right at the dawn of the, of a huge Black Lives Matter movement, I was like, I'm out. Like I need to take myself out of this narrative. There's so many bigger things happening. And I think that's something that you and I do really well and, and, translate to our younger employees is like, there are bigger things out there happening than marketing. <laughs> so go take a mental health break, step back, don't freak out about all of this. There's bigger things out there. And I think that's as a woman, I hope to impart on our younger women employees. It's like, you don't have to subscribe to this hustle culture. I did it and I broke down. I had a mental breakdown. I mean, we both have mental health stories that we can we can attest to. Um, we've been there, we've done that, don't do it. Like just don't. Um, so I'm trying to like set the groundwork for a new type of, I guess, new type of, we'll say a leader. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think you're doing a great job. The hashtag anti-girl boss. I don't even, let's not even start a hashtag. Let's just call it leaders. The next generation are leaders. Well, that's what hashtag anti-girl boss would say. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, fascinating stuff. Really fascinating stuff. If you're interested in staying up to date with our latest episodes, new merch, and announcements, be sure to follow us at mcmillanphillips.agency on Instagram and Twitter. You can join our Manipulating the Masses Facebook group to submit questions and suggest future episodes that you want to hear us cover.